the Boys of Tech with Edwin Herman and friends. The Boys of Tech, episode 209 for Monday, the 15th of April, 2013. My name is... We're, we're almost out of the zeros. Oh, 209. We Next are. Next one will be 2-1. It will. Wow. Mind you, that happens every 10 episodes. Oh, yeah. It just means they're racking up. They are. I know. I know. Uh, it's you know, and it's it's for that reason that we are New Zealand's longest running tech podcast, aren't we? Mm, we're persistent. We are. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's good though. It's good, and we'll keep it up. So uh, it is episode two hundred nine, uh, the last of the two O series, if you like, for the week beginning Monday, the fifteenth of April, two thousand thirteen. My name is Edwin Herman. Uh, the other voice you heard just then is my co-host Brett King. So welcome, Brett, to the show. Hello. Alrighty, so this week, if you weren't hearing about, uh, what's his name, from Microsoft, Adam Orth, then you really haven't heard much because he went on a little bit of, well, he was opinionated, let's say. He made his opinions known on Twitter, didn't he? Mm, Unfortunately, his opinions were counter to the opinions of a lot of other people and were delivered in a rather condescending manner. It was. Shall I just quickly run through it, and then we can talk about it? So, uh, yep. for those in case there are listeners out there that haven't heard these comments, the background to this is, of course, that the uh, you know rumours that the the next Xbox console will require a constant internet connection to work, and uh, so there were people on Twitter who was uh, you know kind of expressing their views on that and their dissatisfaction about that idea. Indeed, and I would have been one of them. Uh, if right, I, yeah, I thought I thought as much. <laughs> So anyway, he uh, um, when I say he, I'm referring to creative director, yeah, Adam Orth, the creative director at Microsoft. Adam Orth on Twitter, he says to those people that were, were being critical of it, those people should definitely get with the times and get the internet. It's awesome. And he, then he added, I want every device to be always on. And then when people continued to sort of you know voice their dissatisfaction, he uh, he continued by saying, sorry, I. Don't get the drama around having an always-on console. Every device is always on. That's the world we live in. And then he added a, uh, a hashtag, deal with it. And I think that this is kind of the thing that people have now mm. attributed to him. You know, it's the deal with it thing. And one of the people on, on Twitter said, did you learn nothing from Diablo 3 or SimCity? You know some people's internet goes out, right? And then he replies saying, electricity goes out too. And, of course, the, the comeback from that is, well, you've lived in L.A. and San Francisco and Seattle, very connected places. Try living in Janesville, Wisconsin or Blacksburg, Virginia. He replies to that, go, why on earth would I live there? It goes on a little bit after that. And then, of course, Microsoft uh, come in and say that we apologize for the inappropriate comments made by an employee on Twitter yesterday. That was their statement released from, from Microsoft, mm-hmm. which goes on also to say that this person is not a spokesperson for Microsoft and his personal views do not reflect the customer-centric approach we take to our products or how we would communicate directly with our loyal consumers. 
We are very sorry if this offended anyone. However, we have not made any announcements about our product roadmap and have no further comment on this matter. And then he resigned. <laughs> yeah, did he resign or was he, was he, uh, yeah, yep. he, was re- he resigned, didn't he? Yeah. Do you think he was pushed? <laughs> I would say so. But you know, look, I agree that you it was agree really- with him. No, 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 I don't. What? No. Oh my God, Edwin, Ed, leave right now. Go. On. No, no, let me finish. No, no, no. I agree. I'm with- rest the show without you because you do not deserve it. <laughs> oh, you, you're so rough on me sometimes, Brett. Oh, this is where you come back and you say, "Deal with it, Ed." Right? Yeah. Hash deal with it. <laughs> yes. No, no. I, I agree with the general opinion that you know he, you know he, he was just completely, I guess, out of line. Out of line but- as an. In- Yeah, I know. But let me put this button there and say, but really, is it that bad? Are people blowing this out of proportion? And I'm talking about the Twitter rant here, not the actual whether or not the device will require always on. Just about the rant. Well, it's not even a rant, but him being opinionated on this on on Twitter. Yes, as the creative director of Microsoft and, you know, obviously involved with the new Xbox console, he should have been much more politic about what he said. No good customer service person would have ever been allowed to get away with that or have even attempted to engage anyone in a personal debate. That's not I, what that sort of thing is about. I agree it's bad, but how bad is it? it, it sh- what I'm saying is it's, it's bad, but it's not as bad as people are making out, is it? Or, or you're saying, yes, yes, it is. It wouldn't have been so bad were it a customer service pleb. Oh, you know, I see. Okay, I see what you're saying. Somebody he is on, the, on yeah, the okay. lower rungs who's direct face to face, got a little ranty, but obviously has no backing behind them. And so everybody knows, you know, it's just a little personal rant. But this was a rant that came directly from a senior person at Microsoft. Yeah, you, I, I can. I, I can. That is, of course, unless they, you know, call everybody from lower middle management a director. In yeah, I'm not quite sure how the structure maybe, works there at Microsoft. Maybe it wasn't as high up as creative director sounds. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to know without note. But no, I can, I can see what you're saying, though. He's obviously, he has a, a senior position of some sort he at, has at Microsoft. He has a senior position. And so any forward-facing correspondence he has about a product within his realm should have been made thinking about the politic way of um, putting that sort of stuff out, and using appropriate the- market speak. And being able to deal appropriately with counterpoints and arguments instead of getting into a, oh, well, I don't like your face either. Yeah, I guess, as I, I was just going Which to say before, that he, he, he continued, didn't he? He should have just left yeah, yeah. it. It wasn't just a, a small, you know, blurt in one tweet. He went on and on about stuff, didn't Indeed. he? Indeed, and he just compounded it by going, well, I don't care about where you live. Why would I want to yeah, live where you? Okay, yeah. So, so he he should have just. Why would I want to live anywhere except for the gigantic cities that have massive connectivity and brownouts quite often? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I can see I can see where you're coming from. Whichever side of the argument you go for, for always on or or not, uh, his manner was not professional. Completely not professional and completely unbecoming an employee of that level. 
as a representative of Microsoft. So I'm pretty sure he was probably offered the option to, you can resign or we can sack you. Which one would you prefer on your resume? Yeah, that's often the way they do it, don't they? Yeah. Indeed. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> now, by the way, still with Microsoft, I saw that the, uh, Microsoft, along with 16 other technology firms, have filed a complaint with the European Commission accusing Google of pushing services to Android and, and therefore using their unfairly using their market dominance. Whoa. Yeah. So wow. is, is this... Well, a, Microsoft would be kind of <laughs> like on the gun for that one because they get accused <laughs> of, they have been accused of that multiple yeah. times and have then been slapped massively on the back of the wrist and upside the head by the European Commission to stop doing that. And <laughs> Google trying to sneak its way through to have its stuff be the dominant stuff on its Android OS is, yeah, yeah, they've got a point. They've definitely got a point. Well, the thing is, if they're going to get... Android is an open operating system. Google might be the developer and the one pushing it out, but it is not their solitary platform. If it was a lockdown platform like iOS, Apple has iOS, then sure, they could push their stuff as being, this is what you can use and this is what you always use first. But because they have said that it is an open operating system, for all these companies to use, then by pushing their own stuff through it is, yeah. Well, the, well, according to the complaint, uh, the, you know, Google is offering the, the, the platform to, to uh, device manufacturers, but in return, they are required to preload an entire suite of Google mobile services and give them prominent default placement on the phone. And that is one of the... Uh, main arguments for this uh, for this complaint because the complaint is basically saying it's not a level playing field. It's not like, um, here you go, manufacturer, exactly you do, you do com- what you want. They're yeah, saying- They're making the same complaint against Google that the European Commission made against Microsoft. For their browsers. For the browser. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's yeah. exactly yeah. the same complaint. And in a way, Brett, I can understand why Microsoft is taking this action because they've been slapped with a fine. So exactly. in their minds, it'll be, well, it would be double standards, you know, if, no, indeed, if it didn't happen the other way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's your turn now, Google. Google was completely behind supporting Microsoft getting a slap down for the whole browser. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, Google has its own browser. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it wanted a level playing field for browser access on Windows PCs. And so this group that's gotten together is perfectly right in their argument that the Android environment should also be a level playing field. It'll be interesting to see how how this case plays out because I'm wondering how much of this is valid and how much of this is simply, you know, sour grapes that, you know, well, Microsoft were the big guys on the desktop market and the phone market, they're not, it's Google. And, you know, it's a case of sour grapes. Well, I'm sure some of it is a case of sour grapes, but it's a case of sour grapes that the EU has said is a case that is worth going through. Yeah, that's true. It's actually, uh, they're going to allow that, that case to proceed. Mm-hmm. Well, Google is, is the, the bigger Google gets, the more aggressive it gets with its different projects, the more variety it gets in its different projects, the more it is opening itself up to scrutiny as these big corporations do. So, you know, it's under huge pressure at the moment over its privacy policies. 
because it is, you know, trying to amalgamate from all these different Google branded services into one kind of data repository on you. And that breaches a lot of different data protection legislations across Europe. So they're, you know, looking at that going, hey, wait a minute, that that doesn't, that, that, that breaks all these things and you have to comply if you want to work in Europe. <laughs> so yeah, they're coming under a, a lot of fire and a lot of scrutiny as they should. As anyone with a, a market dominance should, right? Indeed, as anyone with a market dominance should. And really, they themselves should be standing up and going, yes, put us under scrutiny because wasn't their founding idiom, uh, do no evil? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And th- what they're doing now is certainly not not evil. Yeah, exactly. You, <laughs> I, I see the way you said that because you can't say that they're doing evil but they're certainly not doing not evil. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't understand that, you need to go on a course in logic but we understand mm-hmm. it, don't we, Brett? Yeah. Now, still with Microsoft, uh, you know, it's now a year or just under a year left for Windows XP support. Now, the reason I, I mention this is because the, the stat that goes with that is that 40%... Lots of people still use it. Yeah, 40% <laughs> of PCs are running XP, according to... to yeah, and you know why that is? Source. Yeah, why is that? Because XP was the first of the Microsoft operating systems since 3.1 and the very... And when, you know, that actually lived up to the hype that Windows 95 was supposed to bring. It's, yeah. It was a truly... Yeah good Windows operating system. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was good, yes. It was fantastic. And it was one of the most stable of the Windows operating systems. Compatibility-wise, brilliant compared to all the others. You could do great stuff with it and it would work. And all of this stuff was built for it and all of this stuff worked well with it. And that's why people are like, oh, oh, do we really want to upgrade? And then Microsoft shot itself in the foot because the next operating system they brought out was Vista. Oh, yeah, that made people even more want to stick with XP, right? Indeed. That made people go, whoa, Nelly, that (laughs) is a piece of crap. (laughs) I'm going to stick with this operating system that runs all of my stuff nice and sweet. I still have to reinstall it every now and then because you do. But other than that, everything else is going along fine and dandy. Of course, mm. Microsoft then brought out Windows 7 and freaking love Windows 7. Yeah, Windows, <laughs> Windows 7 is, is good. I agree. So um, at least the Windows XP people could upgrade to Windows 7 because it's actually good and it's not Vista and it's what Vista <laughs> should have been. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's, it's but nice. 40% is still high though, Brett. 40%? I mean, I can understand that yeah. there'd be a, a, a decent percentage, but 40 is like huge. Oh, think, think businesses, Ed. Yeah, they're, they're slow, slow to change, reluctant to change. They want something oh, yeah, yeah. stable. Governments. Yeah, oh, yeah, true. A couple of years ago, government departments in New Zealand were still running Windows NT. <laughs> yeah, actually, I came across a few people who who, who, uh, who worked at some organisations, some government organisations, and they told me exactly that as well, that they're just migrating off NT. And I'm like, what? Yeah. That was a few years ago, but not that many years ago. So yeah, yeah not I, that I, many you, years ago they were migrating off of NT. Yeah. Generally, they were migrating to Windows 2000. Yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> now I didn't mind so Windows. So the next 2000. step will be to upgrade to 
XP. <laughs> Look, I didn't mind Windows 2000. I thought it was really good. In fact, I, I was one of... Windows 2000 was, was good. It was the first kind of user... F- well, the c- first kind of seriously user-friendly NT version. Yeah, I agree. It yep. brought in the power of NT and mixed it with the power of 95. And you well, got something of 95, which, yeah. was, which was pretty yeah. good. It was a good foundation. And then XP came along and went, you know what? This is what we actually meant when we said 2000. Yeah, but you, you may remember when that happened, uh, there were a bunch of people, a bunch of Windows 2000 users specifically, that looked at XP and said, no, I'm staying with Windows 2000. Most people moved, but there were a bunch of people, uh, and well, not insignificant size, and I was one of those. I stayed with Windows 2000 really? for a long time. Yeah, a long time after uh, XP I, came I, I went from 2000 to XP like pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think probably most people did, but uh, you you must have come across other people like myself that stuck with Windows yeah, yeah. 2000 well, for a while. That's because Windows 2000 was more NT than it was 95, and yes. Windows XP was more 95 than it was NT. Yeah, that's right. And I guess uh, having come onto the N- from from the Windows 9, uh, 95 98 side onto the NT uh, line of you know Windows two getting to Windows 2000. Mm. You kind of, when XP came along, I kind of looked at it and thought, well, what am I going to be getting? Am I getting a, a step sort of sideways and back? Um, it, it wasn't in the end, but of course, when it's new, you don't know. And so you go, oh, I'll stick with the devil I know. And I yeah. stuck with that devil I knew. Uh, and um, it wasn't until I, a few, three or four, maybe even years into Windows XP that I decided, okay, I, I feel ready to switch. It's, you know... I've used it yeah. on a number of other computers, and yeah, look, I'll accept it. It's fine. It's good. And I made that that switch. And there are a bunch of people like me as well. There was a whole bunch of people in that position. But yeah, anyway, Windows XP, less than a year left for support, 40% of PCs still running them. Yeah, yeah. Well, less than a year left for free support. Those organizations which actually have an SLA with Microsoft will continue to get support. Oh, okay, right. And what, does, what about updates, though? Like, Updates would certainly cease, wouldn't they? It would probably be more hot fixes than proper updates. Right, right. For people with SLA. I'm not sure how Microsoft handles their SLAs, but hmm. that's what I would assume. Right. Okay, on to drones then. A company by the name of RTS Labs in Iran is developing, early stages yet, but is developing a drone designed for sea rescues. The idea is it will fly to the zone, the drone, and that rhymes, doesn't it? The drone will fly to the zone and then Ooh, drop so off. That's the drone zone? That's the drone zone, yeah. That's right. The drone will fly to the drone zone. And, and, and then it will drop off a you know, flotation device. Uh, oh, for the, that for, doesn't rhyme. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, it rhyme. Um, oh, Ed. This this is, like, okay, like, he, how about this? How about this? Right. It will drop off a flotation device to the person alone. <laughs> and what about, what about their children? who were also there from the capsized boat. Uh, Are they going to drown now? Is that uh, what you're saying? This drone will only save one. Uh, I'm trying to find something that rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it won't. <laughs> no, it won't. Okay, this is crazy. Uh, but anyway, yes. that's Indeed. No, because it will thrice <laughs> save your life. It is. It can, yeah, that's right. It can, uh, it can carry up to, what, three, I think? Three, three <laughs> flotation devices? Well, their first design is... Carries three. And then they're moving on to uh, bigger models. Is that right? Yeah. Up to 15, I believe. 
future iterations, I think, uh, yeah, sure. of the device are going to carry 15. So the idea is, is you know, you there's a report that someone's out there, you know, needing help. So, Lost you know, in the sea. Person overboard. The drone gets there fast. That's the whole idea of it. It can get there directly mm-hmm. and fast. It drops off a flotation device so they can at least remain, you know, above water until the, the proper rescue takes place. Incidentally, mm-hmm. by the way, the drone then can just float on the water and get picked up by the, uh, you know, by the rescue. The rescue vessel. That's right, yeah. Mm. Now, that is so, really, really cool. When we're talking drone, we're talking the the smaller sorts of unmanned quadcopter type drones. Yeah, that's right. Not your gigantic predator combat drones. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Dropping, shooting um, <laughs> life preservers at people. No, like a, a gun exactly with right. lifesaver lollies in it. Pew, pew. Actually, it will look like that. It'll look like a whole bunch of lifesaver lollies being, yeah, dropped one by one. And yes, you're right. It's going to be the uh, the quadrotor type drone. Mm. Nice big solid one. Obviously, won't be able to be deployed in heavy inclement weather. No, no, that's true. Because I've, I've, even though they're incredibly stable and quite powerful platforms, they're still not going quite fast enough to really be able to cruise through inclement weather. Yeah, well, actually, that's for those small ready control ones, but this one is going to be, what, halfway between that and the size of a, a helicopter, so would, would so that like be... A, well, a bit... from the, the artist's renditions of it, you we're looking at only, what, maybe one and a half, 1.2, one and a half metre span? I guess what I'm trying to say is it's bigger than the little ones that, that you know, people... Well, yeah, but even then it is still going to be, especially with a bunch of... Oh, yeah, uh, lifesavers. Life preservers stuck to the bottom <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah, that's it's true. It's not going to be going out in inclement weather. It will have its limitations, won't it? Yeah. But this is cool. This is cool tech, right? It is. It's really cool tech. What I think they should do, though, is instead of a helicopter, they should have them as... UAVs, underwater why, why, why you... autonomous vehicles, oh, submarines un, un, oh, that go underwa- out and rescue oh, people. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it'll be like it comes up and comes up underneath you like a life raft. That would be cool, but then you can only do it to one person, whereas what if you have a whole bunch of people, like, you know, a dozen people well, overboard? if you had a dozen people, you'd have send out a bigger drone. Or maybe the drone itself can deploy life rafts from within itself and then stay there to monitor the situation. Yeah, it could do that. Because otherwise, because the thing is, an underwater one would take longer to get there, would it not? Surely it would. Possibly. Although, like... Well, you could actually use... Brett, you could use a combination. You use this quadrotor in conditions that it can fly and in conditions where it can't, you then use the underwater one. Yeah, Mm, So perhaps horses for courses, as they say. Mm Mm-hmm. That'd be way cooler being rescued by the underwater one. It'd be more of a surprise, that's for sure. Indeed. Splash. Whoa, what's this? Whoosh, (laughs) suddenly a a yellow rubber life raft erupts out underneath you, launches you into the air. Yeah. (laughs) And you have a little trampoline moment, and then you're fine. (laughs) Then you have a taco. You do? Of course. Every good life raft survival kit would come complete with a taco. (laughs) I think so. I know uh, lots, I, lots if of- I was being rescued in that sort of situation, saw a taco there, I would be incredibly, incredibly happy. Tacos are comfort food. I, I had I had some on, on Saturday night. Yeah. And did I, you feel comforted? I did. And I and that was, I'll tell you where it was too. It was a little Mexican place just underneath where you live. Ah, 
really good Mexican place. Yes. <laughs> do you know the place? Anyway, uh, I do. I eat there. <laughs> uh, anyway, I know this next story, Brett, will uh, will excite you. I think it will anyway. As much as a taco? Probably not as much as a taco, but as uh, much as a 6.3-inch smartphone might, and that is Samsung's new Galaxy Mega. Ooh, have they checked whether or not they can use that name? Mm, who do you think would, would comply? It's in the phone market we're talking here. Oh, yeah. But, you know, .com is all about the mega. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, he could do with it's one the of those. NewGalaxy.com. Yeah, the, that's it, the new NewGalaxy.com. <laughs> Galaxy Kim. Yeah, so that's what it's going to – it's planning on releasing this phone, 16-centimeter diagonal. The thing is, this is kind of the half – this is kind of halfway between a, a, a phone – a regular phone size and a regular tablet size, isn't it? Yeah, it's got a stupid name too. What the mega? No, no. What they call? Oh, yeah, the, yeah. I know. Go on, you say it. I don't want to say it. Phablet. Yeah, spelled with a ph. <laughs> As a you know, phone tablet. That's I, stupid. Who coined that? I wonder. A, I know. And phablet. whoever they were, were they half asleep? Were they um, just phoning it in? Had they actually subcontracted the naming of that to somebody in China? Yeah, I, oh, it's a terrible name. So that they could go on holiday? Anyway, I don't think uh, Samsung are calling it a phablet. But uh, th- that's, <laughs> that's just someone's coined that term for, for you know, devices that are between a phone and a tablet. But anyway, it sounds like something I, 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 I hear wanna... from Thunderbirds, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. But Brett, I want to oh. I, I know, though, your opinion on this because I'm surprised you haven't even uh, even given a hint as to what you think yet. Because ah, you must have strong about, opinion on this. The device itself or the, the niche that it's attempting to fill? Well, let's do both. Let's talk about both. Let's talk about the niche first, right? So, mm-hmm. so the niche it's trying to fill, what, what do you think? Is there such a the niche? The niche it's trying to fill are people whose pockets are too small to hold a tablet, so pretty much everybody, and people whose pockets are too big for a regular size phone because they get lost in there all the time. So they need a phone which is just the right size for their pocket. Do you think it would be comfortable though in, in their pocket? I mean, that's a big phone. It is a big phone. Uh, probably not. Especially looking around Wellington, the number of people who wear tight jeans. I don't see this fitting in a jeans pocket very well. Mm, uh, today's fashion. In mm. there, but I really think we're going to have issues with it getting broken. <laughs> In pocket breaking. Uh, what I'm thinking of is a nice solid magnesium frame or something around it. Well, what I'm thinking um, of is people holding it up to their their face to make a call. What would that look like? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it look uh, too big? It would, or it would look like people using a phone that's slightly smaller than the Nexus. <laughs> and I've already seen that, which really just it looks hilarious. Especially, you know, most people will get a case for their phone, some sort of case. And a lot of these little mini tablets, they get cases which are kind of like flip cases, like you get for an iPad, right? Mm-hmm. And so it really, when it when they've got it open, it really does look like some of them are holding up a notebook to their head, uh, to their ear. And by notebook, I don't mean a laptop. I mean the original word of the notebook. Oh, okay, like a paper notebook thing. Yeah, a paper yeah, notebook. It's, yeah, because it's <laughs> like a fancy leather, a fancy leather folder opens and <laughs> held up to your ear. And you can't see you can't see most of the side of their head. <laughs> it would, it, this so it looks would like they're talking to a notebook. Yeah, it does look kind of funny. 
But we've talked about this before when we've talked about other phones, you know, the iPhone 5, it got bigger. The the next um, Samsung Galaxy's, uh, Galaxy S series, it got bigger. Um, so now they've, Samsung has gone, you know what, let's just make a bigger, bigger one. And that's what they're coming out with. Their next one's a bigger, bigger one. It's so, going to be so better for watching media on. It's going to be a better media consumption. Yeah, uh, of course, because it's bigger. Small screens are, we're going to have a, a generation of people with incredibly bad eyesight with all of the devices that are coming out now. All of these fixed points, fixed focal points, these tiny focal points, tiny screens on phones, people watching uh, stuff on their phones, that sort of thing. It's going to be even worse when, if the, the Google Glass thing takes off, we're going to have massive issues with people's eyesight, people getting um, problems with their eyes, having to get actual glasses so that they then can no longer use the Google Glass that they <laughs> spent. That, isn't that ironic? Yeah, but, indeed. But, Brett, yeah, these are things that people don't think of when they come up with these awesome ideas. It's like, mm. yeah, let's put a screen that's going to be right there, which means, oh, wait, so most of the time you're going to have a fixed focal point. And we already have issues with office workers, people in front of computers all the time getting eye problems because of fixed focal points for the majority of the day. <laughs> well, you know, one of the reasons that Samsung has given for this form factor is that People don't want to carry two devices. They don't want a phone and a tablet. They want a phone and a tablet in one. And that's why they, one of the reasons they came up with this form factor. I know. It's, ha- it's brilliant how, how we've, we're creating niches where they didn't exist before because they are now created because of niches that also didn't exist before that were then created. <laughs> the niche for the tablet like didn't exist before and then it That's kind right, of yep. took off and, and became big. And now that niche has created another niche where people have suddenly realized, wait a minute, I already had a phone and now I have a tablet as well. And that's two things I have to carry around now. Why couldn't I just have one? Oh, wait, before I bought the tablet, I already had one. So why don't I just buy a bigger phone? <laughs> it's weird. Completely weird whole niche marketing stuff. It, it is. But you, weirdness. You, you know what, though? <laughs> One side of me says it is weird why, you know, uh, how this all works. But at the same time, it is good to have choice, right? So th- what I'm oh, saying is that there will be some people, because there will be some people, I think, that will think exactly that same way. Like, that is perfect. I've, I've been carrying around the smartphone and it's too small for any media type stuff and, and then I have this tablet which can do the media stuff but I can't use it as a phone because it's too large. Thank goodness they're coming up with this because this is me. Then there are other people, I think, that will, will say the opposite and say, that is stupid, it's too big to be a phone and too small to be a tablet. I am going to be buying a phone and a tablet separately. It's choice, it's about choice, right? Because we've already seen that with things like the Nexus 7 and the other 7-inch Android devices, which are also phones. So, yeah, the niche already exists. Uh, There is a demand for it. Whether or not it's a big demand, who knows? I'm sure numbers will come out at some point. Or you can assume the way of the dodo. Yeah, you can assume that uh, Microsoft, I don't know where that came from. You can assume that Samsung have done their market research. Yeah. So I, I guess we can only assume there that uh, that there is a market for this. Now, Brett, just before we move on to the next story, I, I noticed some interesting figures that have come out of some of these stories we've talked about. And that is that, um, now we haven't mentioned them, but the, I've got them in front of my screen here. 
And that is that Samsung is the most popular smartphone maker, or was in 2012, accounting for mm-hmm. 30% of all shipments. Yep. Its rival, Apple, is the uh, came in second with 19% of the market share. So yep. that together adds up to 49, right? Mm-hmm. So that's roughly half of the market. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we know, because I've got other figures here, that say Android, the Android operating system, I should say, accounts for 70% of the market. Mm-hmm. So that means that if Samsung is 30%, the others must be 40%, mm-hmm. which means that there must be a whole heap of Android manufacturers that all... Oh, you know, well, duh. HTC... Uh, Sony Ericsson, but smaller Sharp, ones. I mean, yeah, but those are fairly big. But, but then the non, the no-name ones. Um, oh yeah, there must be a, yeah, there must be a whole heap of no-name ones that make up those figures. LG, tons of low-name and no-name ones. Yeah. Now let's move on to the next story. Anyway, uh, we'll leave those stats where they are. Move on to the next story. This is going to interest you. I know. Uh, under the sea, in the I think is it the uh, is it the Caspian Sea? No. No, this is not the Caspian Sea. No, it's not this. the Caspian Sea is the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee, that's right. Oh, it's such a good name. It is. It just rolls off your tongue, doesn't sea it? Of sea of Galilee. It does. It does. I like it. So under the Sea of Galilee, this is this is another uh, Dr. Seuss book. Oh, it's another one for Dr. Seuss, yes. Okay, go for it. <laughs> oh, goodness, I'm on the spot now. Under the Sea of Galilee is something that you'd want to see. A pile of rocks. Um... Uh... Pile of rocks, basalt unhewn. I was going to rhyme with, a with, pile with, with rocks. Up, not quite to the moon. <laughs> very good. You're doing very well there. Uh, look, okay, let's. let's the researchers <laughs> wonder what was it for? No one knows. Bury thing or for. No one knows in, in, entirely for sure. Or more. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Okay, well, let's do this seriously. Well, there is a pile of rocks under the sea, but it's not just a small pile of rocks. We're talking something 70 metres diameter, 10 metres high, a sort of a, a conic shape. And mm-hmm. it's it, no one knows really what it is or why it's there. It's assumed. It's, there are theories, and it's assumed it's, uh, you know, it's man-made. It's not a, a natural... Gathering mm-hmm. of rocks. Well, uh, so what don't it, generally get piles of unhewn basalt. Well, well, you get some interesting other formations, don't you? You so, get interesting basalt formations, but natural deposit. Well, obviously, it didn't form there. How it came to be there is still. Is it human? Is it not human? Who yeah, and, and the other thing, of course, is whether it was formed when it was once you know above water, um, and has since, of course, you know over time, become underwater, or whether this was deposited into shallow waters, um, mm. you know, at, at the time. So there yeah. are a few theories, aren't there, Brett, as to what this could be? Well, indeed, indeed. Um, a, another structure that they find uh, along the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee underwater are piles of rocks that have been created to as habitats for fish to try and congregate the fish so that they're easier to catch. So one of the theories is that this was just a much larger structure built purposefully underwater as a habitat habitat for fish to congregate so that they would be in a smaller area and easier to catch. It makes sense, but isn't it huge, like 70 metres wide? 
10 mm. metres well, tall. The, the Sea how of Galilee they... had, had supported quite a population. Yeah, true. But how did they do that back then? Because we're talking, we're talking BC here, right? Yeah. We're also talking BC for the construction of the pyramids. Yeah, that's true. Are we going? Yeah, are we now putting yeah, on true. our? Are we now putting on our tinfoil hats and our um, <laughs> our antennas and going? Ah, but it could be aliens. It could be aliens. <laughs> Extraterrestrials, because you know, uh, no, no. <laughs> ancient man was certainly not as intelligent as we are now. Therefore, it was aliens. Mm, because if if we have trouble conceptualizing building gigantic structures out of rock uh, in the modern age, it was virtually impossible for, for humans in the past to do. Oh, wait, no. No, no, we've got tons of evidence that it, people built these things. <laughs> Just because we don't do that technology now or we have, you know, changed our moral codes to no longer force people to do things for us or... Mm. Um, we don't uh, pay people, well, you know, conscript people to build things for us anymore. It doesn't mean that people didn't build them. No, that's right. So, but, you know, the, I know why you brought that up, because there are some theories out there, of course, that this is built or was built by aliens. But I yeah. don't know, you know, this... Well, you know, you know, it's, it's, always- a, it's a big 17-metre diameter, conical-shaped rock can under which is housed... Spaceship. Yeah, that's that'll be why. It's a big UFO there. That that's why mm. it's that shape. There you go. Now I doubt yeah. it, but I will be one of the first people to go, oh my god, that is so awesome if it was true. <laughs> you know it's not gonna be there, right? I'm pretty what, what, certain so, it's not gonna be. What, one of the but things- I would certainly go. That's so awesome, now, if that was true. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I think we all would. Now, one of the things I'm going to do is, of course, explore this further. Now, they've only had divers go down, and they've also had, I think, sonar data as well about this thing. So mm-hmm. they're going to go down and investigate this further. No one knows what's under this. Maybe it's just more rocks. Maybe there's something else under there. Indeed. We don't know. If it was formerly on dry land, it's entirely possible it was a burial can. Yeah. And it could have been a, a, a large burial can for a, a mass purpose, a battle, something like that, you know, something that would require a large structure. To so we, we might find stuff in. under there, right? If it, if it was for something like that. Um, but if, as the, the kind of like the, the leading theory goes, that it was actually built and as a pile of rock for fish to live in, um, then there won't be anything under it except for water, dirt, and fish. And silt. Mm. Anyway, so that, let's see what they uncover when they... when they. That uh, is very cool. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of cool because these mysteries are always intriguing, aren't they? It's like, wow, mm. we found this cool thing. What is it? And like any curious person, these archaeologists really just want to find out what, what this thing is. What is it? Indeed. Why is it here? Was Who it put it there? Was it built by man? Is it a natural formation, mm. possibly some kind of weird current accumulation of flotsam and jetsam of gigantic rocks, which would be odd, but you never know. You never know. There's some really, really remarkable and natural uh, things that mm. go on, you know. But uh, anyway, just obviously looking more, at more what, research- what people of the past used to be, used to do, and to think that, wow, yeah. that... that <laughs> Humanity created these massive things and that, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome. 
Yeah, and to think that we had no well, we had if that is the case for this one, we had no idea about this until now. Until, yeah. until we found it. All right, Brett. Anyway, that's it. We'll leave that story there. That's kind of uh, that's on Popular Science, by the way. If you want to uh, research that story, pop, uh, popsci.com. Anyway, Brett, thank you very much for co-hosting. That was episode two hundred nine, all wrapped up. Sweet, excellent, and uh, we'll do it again next week, right? Yep. Now we're hopefully trying to line up a guest for next week. Not sure if uh, it'll work out because they are in the. Are they Amer- an archaeologists or perhaps no. an extraterrestrial whose spaceship has parked underneath <laughs> no, 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 the giant nothing. set no. of rocks in Galilee? Because <laughs> that would also get me to say that's awesome. <laughs> Sorry to burst your bubble, but no, no. Uh, nothing to do with the story. But the problem we have, of course, is we're based in New Zealand, and whenever we interview someone from the Americas. The oh, time I mean, zone it's early is, mornings. Yeah, it's either well, it's either that or some weird time. With anyway, it's really difficult. So we'll see what we can do. If we can tee up a time where all three of us are available, we'll have a guest. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. But in the meantime, have a good week. And Brett, thank you once again for co-hosting. Always a pleasure, Ed. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Sweet. Goodbye, everyone. See you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye.